Hey, all you cool cats and kitties. Welcome to the House of Krause. I'm Richard Krause, and today it's jazz night at the House of Krause. We're going to be having a look at the life and times in a movie about Chet Baker. The movie is called Born to be Blue, and we have two very special house guests this week, Ethan Hawke and Carmen Ijogo. They're here. Ethan Hawke plays Chet Baker in Born to be Blue, and Carmen plays his wife. She's kind of a, a fictionalized version of all the women that were in and out of Chet Baker's life. Now, if you don't know who Chet Baker is, I'm sure that you're familiar with the music. And if you're not completely familiar with the whole width and breadth of his music, you know one song. You know his version of My Funny Valentine because it is ubiquitous, it is everywhere, it's in movies, it's on commercials. Every Valentine's Day you hear it pouring out of restaurants and bars trying to lure you in to uh, make you romance and wine and dine your significant other to the strains of Chet Baker's slightly off-key but really beautiful, frail, fragile singing voice warbling the words to My Funny Valentine. The movie is uh, based on a short film that the director Robert Boudreau made some years ago. And uh, that short film starred Stephen McCaddy as Chet Baker, now cut to several years later, and now it's a feature film. Ethan Hawke is playing Chet Baker. Stephen McCaddy is playing Chet Baker's father now. It's the way Hollywood works. This isn't a Hollywood movie, but that's the way the movies work. Uh, Stephen McCaddy's fantastic in this, uh, but really this is a movie all about Ethan Hawke's performance. He shares Baker's rough-hewn good looks and, and does a really, I think, credible job of imitating the fragile beauty of Baker's singing voice. But more importantly, he apes the addict's temperament. Chet Baker was a guy who, who was told early on in his career by Miles Davis that he wouldn't be able to make great music until he had lived a little bit more. So he lived, he lived hard, he became a heroin addict, he was in and out of jail, he pawned his instruments to, to pay for more drugs. Uh, but every terrible twist and turn that happened in Baker's life informed the music that came afterwards. He could be charming one minute, petulant or incoherent the next, and as Ethan Hawke plays him, he's a talented train wreck, a man whose tragic life experiences feed his art. Uh, it's, it's a terrific performance. And so we'll get to talk to Ethan about that and about other things too. We don't actually talk about the movie all that much, but we'll get to that a little bit later on. First up though, Carmen Ijogo. Now she is a British actress and singer. Uh, you've probably seen her in other movies like Away We Go, Sparkle, Alex Cross. She was in The Purge, Anarchy. She's played uh, Coretta Scott King twice. Uh, once in a movie called Boycott in 2001 and then uh, 13 years later in the movie Selma. Here she plays the woman in Chet Baker's life. She's based on, I think, any number of women that came in and out of his life. Some he married, some he didn't. It's a terrific performance that I think lends the movie much of the heart that it has. We started off by talking about her roots, where she came from. Where does her accent come from? Because in most of the films that she's made, that I've seen anyway, she speaks with a, an American accent. So here she is talking to me about growing up in London. 
I totally come from that sort of like working class right. kind of world. Are you South London? Is that I'm uh, West London, West South West London. London. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but then I went to a really posh girls' school and learned how to speak differently. And so people never really realised just quite how street I actually am. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you have do you have that thing? We'll get to the movie. In a yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, do you have that thing where you have you know two glasses of wine and all of a sudden your accent <laughs> comes back a little bit more? Absolutely. Yeah. And when I go back to London, I'm about to go and do a film in London tomorrow. It's Monday. Um, It'll all come back. Yeah. It'll all come back for sure. Yeah. I haven't entirely lost the the, the London thing, but um, but it's definitely more polished right. than is the the reality. Well, I was just in there. London, and I've been the first time I went to London was in 1977. I think oh, I was a teenager. I was, it was a great time <gasps> to be there, and I just fell in love with it. I felt as a as a, a 12 or 13 year old kid, I fell in love with yeah. it. And there were like punk rockers with you know, I grew up on stuff, the, right? off yeah. the King's Road. Yeah, King's Road. So I watched the whole thing happen. Well, see, the King's Road. This is always my example of of. Of London, so the first time I go there, I'm a kid. I'm 12, 13, 14 years old, 12 That's or 13, I guess. And and the King's Road blew my mind. Yeah, I'd never <laughs> seen anything like it. The cool stores, Vivian Westwood shop it, was there, all Michael that stuff. Right? Hall, yeah, yeah, sex, and, all yeah, that absolutely. stuff. And I just never seen anything like it. Now you walk down it, and it's Starbucks and Dunkin' Donuts, like, and it's gone. It's like when I went to Prague, and it looked the same as. High Street Kensington, yeah. or the same as Bond Street. It's yeah. like nothing, it's so homogenous. It, it is. And it's most depressing in London because London for me really is the epicenter of true eccentric, absolutely idiosyncratic fashion. Yeah. And the fact that that has also it, it, lost its way is, well, is once you have, super uh, sad to me. What's the store? Uh, I saw them in London, uh, and we have them here, and they're, uh, they're they're for young girls kind of thing. But yeah, it, yeah. It, but, uh, like Forever Twenty One. Forever Twenty One. It was that. Yeah, Forever Twenty One. And I was thinking, okay, well now that's what people are going to wear. Yeah, if, yeah. This is what if you feed mm -hmm. people dog food all the that's time, right. they will get a taste for <laughs> dog food, and they won't. Dogs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's it's a shame. But I was just there. And you know, I walked around Soho a lot. I love, mm, I love yeah, that area. And there's still like little cool yeah. little you're right, nooks exists. and crannies that, that feel like you're, you know. Uh, but it's, I mean, still, I, it, it doesn't matter that there's, you know, Starbucks in every corner. I still love it. Yeah. I no, I can't it. wait to go back. I'm yeah. dying. I'm so excited about this trip. It's going to be <laughs> such fun. <laughs> Congratulations on the movie. Thank you. So a good chunk of this movie uh, is about. Uh, I think finding creativity for both of mm, you, for mm. both of your characters, mm -hmm. you and you and Ethan. And one of the things that I found really interesting, and I've been thinking about it an awful lot uh, since I saw the film, mm -hmm. was Miles Davis makes a comment like, "You, you haven't lived enough. Mm -hmm. you, you, you don't mm -hmm. have you don't have the life experience." Mm -hmm. And and I think I I, I agree. I mm -hmm. think that the art that you make when you are, mm -hmm. you know, 20 mm -hmm. differs than the art that you will make when you Absolutely. are lived in a little bit. Not everybody agrees with me, though, because I've been talking about this a little bit. So I wanted to, to, to throw this out to you and yeah. see what you think. I mean, I know for sure that, speaking for myself, that, the, that my perspective, my point of view was absolutely informed by what was quite a dysfunctional childhood and just being exposed to a pretty heavy world right. pretty young and for some people it takes 30 years for them to get to that kind of wealth of experience <laughs> behind right, them right. I know that I fast-tracked 
and as a result, I feel like it definitely informed my the kind of work that I'm interested in doing, and the and what I what ends up on the screen. Um, I hope it's interesting, and I hope that it has some kind of off kilter, and somewhat. Um, I, I hope I hope it's layered the creativity that I'm bringing to the screen in everything I do in any kind of project, and I would absolutely say that it. I would absolutely agree that it's been informed by a life led. Um, and I also know that having now become a mother, having gone through relationships that worked and failed and so on, that I'm, I'm bringing something to, to this role that I wouldn't have been able to do 15 years ago. Coretta, who I just played with Selma, at, without a doubt, had I not gone through my own personal journey, I wouldn't have been able to fully relay what I think came across in many of those scenes. Um, so I think I'm with you on that. I'm curious to know what the what the what the other opinion is. Well, the, the other opinion is is that you know if you just happen to be gifted, it, it's it's uh, the examples that always come up are like, well, Beethoven wrote his first thing when he was twelve, and mm, you know, mm. and, and people there's you know you can rattle off a mm. few people who I guess were savants, you know, mm, and, and mm -hmm. were at age six were composing symphonies, mm -hmm, you know. I, I suppose mm -hmm. there is that out there sure, in the world, sure. but I, I think in a general way. Uh, it, it, you have to have some experience, and I mean, I know that certainly, you know, in 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 my life, what I do has changed considerably. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I I, uh, I do this, and I but I write about films, I write books, and and um, the the stuff that I'm working on now has uh, is it's it is fueled in a way that I wouldn't have been able to understand mm. um, a, a few, even a few years ago, mm. I think. And my comfort level, like I, I think that creativity is a muscle. Mm -hmm. And I think that when you work that muscle, Absolutely. it gets stronger right. and bigger, and you get more confident Absolutely. in the fact that you have right. that muscle. I, that's the zone I'm in right now. And it's taken, it's taken a few movies where people have really appreciated the range and so on, yep. that I'm like, okay, I, I now have permission in myself and by my audience to feel confident that I know what I'm doing. And I, you know, and in a weird, in a sad way to some degree, you know, it's not until you get that feedback loop going yeah. that you know that you're in that place, perhaps, um, in my work anyway. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you could be an, you know, a painter and, and, and just see it for yourself, the, the progression. Uh, but I think but it's different when you're watching different. your own stuff as a yeah. painter or, you know. Yeah. Or yeah. So like, you kind of have, the, the audience is part of the process, I think, for what I do. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I do believe that my work, I also think, I was just having this conversation because there's something I'm. I was. I was just reading, and I'm thinking about how am I going to approach this scene, and and I'm. And I know that if I if it had been 15 years ago, I'd have been relying on sense, memory, and right. gut, and experiences, and, and it would be all that stuff coming to the fore. Now I'm relying totally on craft, right. and somewhere that other stuff will will rear its head. Yeah. But I'm not just relying on that stuff anymore. So there's something that I I've, I've really benefited from in just persevering and doing it as well, long as I have. Well, I think there's that, and I think that one of the things that happens after a while is that you are able to let go of some of the crutches that you may have had before. That's exactly as, right. As I said, you know, as a, as a writer, I'm finding myself uh, uh, untethered by the, mm -hmm. the rules that, that, mm -hmm. that, that I used to try and stick to so carefully. Sure. And I, I've let a lot of things go, and it's, it's, it's uh, I, I think of it sometimes, and I'm 
you know, I mean, listen, uh, you know, I, I, I don't talk about my own work very much, but I, I, I think of it more as music almost now. Mm. And, and that frees me to be able to, to bang words together in a way that I wouldn't have even thought of years hmm. ago. And it's been yeah. fun. It's cool and fun. Yeah, I feel like I'm not as beholden to perception anymore yeah. as well, which is just that comes with age. Yeah. When you just start trusting your own point your own point of view and yeah. and and recognize the validity in it so yeah uh, you mentioned playing uh, Coretta uh, yeah. uh, in in uh, Selma and in this film uh, you're playing characters in, in both those films I think you're playing characters who uh, are well-rounded interesting women who are not simply uh, an appendage to mm. the main character mm. and I have enjoyed in this movie in particular I think that, that whole story I could have just watched your story and oh. found that that would have been an, an, another Gosh. interesting twist yeah, on yeah, this story yeah, yeah. fascinating guy absolutely yeah. but your story uh, was something that I thought was just as interesting That's that, that, thank you That's, I'm glad that we got there because I know that that was something that you know, I came onto this project quite late and I know that Ethan and Robert had particularly Ethan was so desirous of the, the character of Jane and Elaine right. whoever was going to play those two women to be equally compelling on screen yeah. as what we knew Chet was going to be yeah. Um, so, so that was absolutely their his agenda, um, and you know it took it was to get there was 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 complicated in 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 some ways through the process of making the film because you know she's very much a witness character to what is what he's doing. Uh, I think Robert was quite brilliant in 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 creating the Elaine actress, yeah. you know, persona and the Jane persona. Because it really, because you know, it it allowed it allowed us to be authentic to the truth of the kind of women that Chet went for, mm -hmm. more in the Elaine than maybe in the Jane sort of portrayal. But then having Jane there gave me the potential then to do something that was more re well rounded right. and not quite so um, appendage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it, it's a fascinating time. Yeah. You know, it's just such a fascinating. Uh, uh, sort of recreation of a time too. Mm. You're living in the little Westphalia mm -hmm. van and stuff. And at a time in California, you couldn't do that. I mean, those days are gone sure. now. But I just love that kind of like um, that sort of bohemian yeah. uh, thing, yeah. that West Coast thing. That that you know. I mean, I I think I don't know if it's my imagination, but I think it existed. I think sure. it really did. Yeah. You know. And 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 the, watching this movie kind of drew me into that a little That's bit. And great. What a cool time it would have been just to see it. Sure. I don't know if you really want to live in a van. You right. know, but, I know. But, but it, it, it always seems cool. so much more romantic than yeah. than perhaps it really was. But yeah, I agree. I mean, I, th I, mean, I think. Um, we all have a sort of sense of what this, what you know, this sort of I, this nostalgic sense of the past um, that can easily be sentimentalized. Mm -hmm. But I do think the, what I do think is true of this relationship is that they are living entirely in their own creative bubble. Yeah. They are really, you know, there there are realities that come in constantly, but they have, they are really defining their landscape for themselves for the most part. And that's, uh, and somehow the landscape supports it. And I think it, the West Coast thing is, is part of 
is part of that. I think this story perhaps wouldn't have felt as believable in New York or in, on the East Coast. Well, it certainly would have been a different, uh, it would have yeah. had a different, more, uh, I think, a more um, frenetic kind of feel. Yeah. Whereas through the West Coast thing, you're living in the van and there's the, the broad landscape behind you, like it feels open, it feels sure. like the Wild West. Yeah, Whereas yeah. Whereas in New York, it would That's be a much right. different exactly. kind of feel. And I know people now who are contemplating living in the backs of their cars yeah, because yeah. times aren't so great yeah, yeah. and it's like no big thing because mm -hmm. everyone's done it a little bit in LA you know what I mean well, and so it, that's well even in Brooklyn I just read it is a different thing but in Brooklyn there's a guy who has uh, a fleet or at least you know three or four vans that he's found a place in Brooklyn to park them that has the greatest view of New York yes. and you can sleep in them in, in, in for overnight awesome. for 50 bucks, Whatever. it's not a lot of money. But the thing is, he, uh, he, you say, well, you know, it's our anniversary and my wife loves Chet Baker and he'll decorate the inside of the no van. Way. <laughs> That's so cool. It's kind of great. It's a little it's custom experience. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how safe it is, but it's yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, I know, I live in Brooklyn. I don't know which neighborhood that is that he's found, but um, yeah, I'll be on the hunt. It's a parking lot, apparently, and the people just leave them alone. That's yeah. great. Yeah. yeah, I mean, definitely t the idea of days when we weren't so um, shuttled around yeah. and sort of sheepishly, you know, homogenized in, in the way, in where we can be, how we can be. Um, I think that this couple and this world definitely represents that quite yeah. successfully. Um, I would say that to harken back to the first half of our conversation, uh, and I'll ask you the question, I wasn't a Chet Baker fan when I was a kid because mm -hmm. I didn't get it. Mm -hmm. I didn't understand mm -hmm. it. Now that I'm a little older, well, quite a bit older, mm -hmm. um, I get it. Sure. I understand the, 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 the heartache and the whatever else that is behind yeah. a lot of that music. Uh, but it, when I was a teenager, it sounded like, that's flat, I don't care about this, no, there's no <laughs> guitars, I don't get this. Yeah. And, but now it's uh, it, it, it feels a lot more different to me. How, what's the yeah. experience of Chet Baker for you? Yeah, so I didn't know who Chet... So this is funny. I, I first discovered Chet Baker when I was making Boycott and I played Credit Scott King the first time in Atlanta and I'd seen this beautiful portrait of Halima and Chet backlit at this window t taken by William Claxton and I didn't know who either of them were but I was just fascinated by the combination right. of these people in the 50s this and his oh, face that with the face yeah, yeah. and then this woman as well was so beautiful and and I and they looked there was it was just the epitome of romance and that was that was my stepping off point and that's where I that that's what I discovered first and then it led to me wanting to discover the music mm -hmm. um, and then I very quickly discovered the um, let's get lost documentary yeah, 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 by yeah, Bruce yeah. Weber because I had all of that sort of romantic backstory already implanted I think I could hear all the things that maybe you would miss on first hearing. Yeah, yeah. it meant nothing to me. Yeah. yeah. It didn't. I mean, yeah, But the thing with Chet Baker is you are actually, you as a 13 year old were in the same camp as most of the jazz world yeah, that's right. who didn't, who never respected where he was coming from. And it was women and gay men yeah. who really were his fan base. Yeah. And so you weren't alone <laughs> and you weren't necessarily even wrong i mean yeah. there is i i actually do love his tone and i uh, you know I, I sing and and I, I i love i love the way he plays his trumpet but i but i can understand why 
it's there's a simplicity to it given the, the landscape and given what was going on in jazz at the time that was just so extraordinary and so cerebral yeah. you know and that that he didn't clearly have that capacity I can understand why you could easily poo-poo him but see I think that the idea of the idea of it being simple right. was another thing that I was like eh, you know yeah, like, yeah. But, but then I think the part of growing up though is, is understanding that less is more. Yes, yeah. exactly yeah. right. I, I always think of, uh, I went to see Eric Clapton in your hometown at the, uh-huh. at the Royal Albert Hall. He used to do these 10-night stands there, and I, I, I went one time, and I, I, I heard him play. I'd never seen him play live, and to hear him play live versus the record is a whole different experience. Wow. And uh, I heard him play, and I it, it dawned on me, I understood that it, it, what he wasn't playing was just as, if not mm. more important than what he did play. At the editing, absolutely right. Yeah. You know, it's. I just was watching a documentary on Kate Bush, who's one of my all-time favorite yeah, yeah. musicians ever, and listening to her, just watching the trajectory and listening to it, the the sort of the sort of amdram of it all, which yeah. was fa- fabulous, but it's all got so much simpler. And I saw the concert that she did in London oh, yeah, recently. recently. And it's still very explosive, and it's very big, and it's very theatrical. But on on record, she has. There's a lot of editing that's that's mm-hmm. that's come into play, and I think it is the wisdom of age that brings that. And uh, and um, I'm very grateful for it because she continues to stagger me yeah. as an as an artist. But yeah, but then but then was he ahead of his years in that case, Chet Baker, to know this at the age of 22 that yeah. that's what to go for? Or, or or maybe it's just the way he thought about stuff. I mean, we don't, you know, who knows yeah, yeah, what yeah. he was really like. Maybe yeah. he was just a simple guy that you know had a gift. Yeah. Right? He, he understood music in a way that he didn't. I don't think understand life really. Sure, you know, in a sure. lot of ways. I mean, being a heroin addict, being all that, you know, for most yeah. of his life. Uh, you know, I don't know, but I mean, maybe it was just. You know, I, I don't think artists think, well, I'm ahead of the curve, I'm, I'm breaking ground here. I think they think, sounds good to me. Yeah, this is what exactly. I like. This is coming from my heart, and yeah. this is what I'd like to do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And also maybe, you know, he knew his own limitations. Yeah. And, and recognized, you know, which space to inhabit and which space not to. <laughs> she was one of those people I just found so easy to talk to. Carmen Ijogo, you've seen her in Selma, now go see her in Born to be Blue. Ethan Hawke needs no introduction. He's kind of a renaissance man. He writes books, he's on stage, he makes movies. He's also a really, really engaging conversationalist. And I meant to talk about the movie with him, I really did. I meant to get in there and talk about Chet Baker, but we ran out of time before we got there. But I think the stuff we did talk about was really interesting. We talked about life experience and and how that adds up to form a creative person's core, a creative person's life. Uh, it's fascinating stuff and he has some really great insight. Here's Ethan Hawke. One of the things that is discussed in the film is the idea that to make great art, you have to have some life experience. And I saw this a, a, a week or so ago and that, that has stuck in my head and I've been talking about this to a number of people. and. Some people have agreed. Other people have said, well, Mozart wrote great symphonies when he was mm-hmm. Michael seven. Jackson. Yeah, Michael Jackson, yeah. you know. Uh, wondering what your take is. Well, my take is that there are no rules, but that um, you don't 
become Nelson Mandela without suffering. Do you know that that any individual that achieves great wisdom, um, if you're if your goal is, is art that's in service of a purpose, like Mozart can do that, and, and you know, uh, and you can say that that's inspiration and stuff. But but there's a lot a huge myth around Mozart. You know, is that he was just kind of divinely inspired mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And and in truth, he worked really hard. Yeah, he was obsessed with music from a very young age. And young people can be very bright, and and um, and they also can suffer immensely and have something to say. So. And you can make a case to be made that Michael Jackson suffered immensely, yeah. you know, and that's part of what drove him. Um, uh, and so I, I think the service of the artistic community is to translate our lives back to us and hopefully to, to lend some understanding and that you need to participate in life and feel life to be able to do that. Right. And so... Um, but... <laughs> you know, lots of people suffer and are without a gift and a talent. It, it doesn't translate into a beautiful painting. You know? Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, I got. But so, do, you, do you think in your life that as you've gotten, you know, a, a little bit older, that that your work has changed? That your ideas about how you work have changed? I think that there's a certain ethos that I believe in that has been absolutely consistent. Yeah, I, I just. One of the weird things about the movies I've done with Linkletter, whether it's the Before Trilogy or Boyhood, is they make everybody talk about time. Yeah. And you're like, and you're like, you know what? I'm the same guy in Before Midnight that I was in Before Sunrise. Yeah. You know? Or people say, how do you commit to a movie for 12 years? I'm like, because I love this kind of thing. There's no scenario in which I don't get hit by a car that I won't still love this movie. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's just that, that I'm not going to change that much. What experience teaches you is how to better articulate what you're trying to articulate. You gain humility, hopefully, mm-hmm. life. Generally, if you pay attention, life humbles everybody. Um, some people are so out to lunch that they just, they, they, their own eccentricities and just get fed and they just, you know, whatever, and they, then they, they get worse. But uh, I don't know, I lost my train of thought. But we, we were just sort of discussing the idea of whether or not um, age oh, has brought with man. it a different approach. I don't know. For me, I have four kids, and like, and <laughs> I love that'll level things out for you, right but, there. But what's cool about it is that, you know, it's a little corny, but you know, they bring a lot of love into my life. Loving them, um, loving the things they love. Yeah. You, you, you know, they they're different than me and. <laughs> It's the same with, like, one of the things I value about my brother, for example. I have a brother who we're very different politically and very different thoughts, but he's very smart and he brings a whole other element into my world. Mm -hmm. You know, if we're not careful, most of us only spend, I mean, you have a great job in that you get to meet lots of different kinds of people and you get to travel and stuff like that. But most of us only, like, once you're out of school, you just spend time with people who do the same thing you do. Yeah. And your world can get really, really small. And so I, the thing I'm trying to say is that age for me has brought a, a depth of experience. You know, I'm just interested in more things and more curious. And, uh, and I used to be really, really 
strange about it, you know, I'm turning 45 this year and I've been professionally acting for 30 years. And when I was younger, I was really worried that I wasn't going to get to do it. And that was a big part of my identity as a young person. It's just, you know, even like, an, oh, a, a movie would do well or something. And I, oh, no sooner would it do well than I think, is it over? Right. Will I, that, will I ever again? get to do it again? It's yeah. kind of like, it's how I imagine baseball players or something, professional athletes feel. You never really know when your last game is. Yeah. Like, when will this, when will I not get to do this thing that I love? I feel so sorry for athletes in that way. Like, because, you know, Acting, I, I'm, I'm working on my King Lear now. Yeah. You, you know, I'll be able to do this till I'm of no use to people anymore. But in the <laughs> athletics, it's not that way. Yeah. Well, in, in one twisted ankle can be. You, you don't know, get to when play you're anymore. 25, you don't get to play anymore. I yeah. know. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's strange to talk to a real, you know, Michael Jordan, yeah, he's talented. He also didn't get hurt. Yeah. And a lot of that is conditioning and a lot of that is luck. Yeah. Wayne Gretzky. Yeah. Same idea. You Same know? idea. Yeah. I know. Yeah. You don't get to be that. And, and, you know, one of the interesting things in regards to this movie is that, you know, in the arts, self-destruction is a real enemy. And that if you can, it's my advice to young people all the time, when they, you know, some hit that age or people always ask, what do you say to young actors? I say, you know, if you eliminate self-destruction, your chances of success just quadrupled. If you just get out of your own way, um, give yourself permission to have respect for yourself um, and treat yourself like you would somebody who you loved. You that know? can be really hard, though. It's I mean, really for, hard. Yeah, uh, um, it sounds so simple. Yeah. That whole Seymour documentary I made is all about how yeah. hard that is. Yeah. Yeah. It's all about, you know, life. the joys of life are actually really simple. Yeah. We think they're going to be like, oh, I'll be happy if this, that, and the other thing. In truth, it's pretty awesome that the sun comes up, and if you stay focused on that, things go okay. Yeah, yeah. And as soon as you take your eye off that, life gets really weird and tricky. Well, I I, uh, I had cancer a couple of years ago. Wow. And it's, we're good now. We're knocking wood, but we're good now. But uh, <laughs> but but after that, everything was different. Yeah. And and you say the simple stuff, and honest to God, it is yeah. it is the simple stuff that matters now. And it has simplified it has complicated my life in one way, but it has simplified my life in so many other ways and for the better. And and it has just come to me. It's like, I'm, you know, I'm 52. I finally realized less is more. Simple is better. I know. It's really hard for me in that way because I believe that, and yet I work so hard. And I'm, I'm often, one of the things that's weird about what's happened to my profession is, you know, movies pay a lot less. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, and, Independent movies. I used to be able to do it, you know, you know, one movie a year, yeah. and then I could do those theater the rest of the yeah. time. And now, you know, it's really difficult. And I'm trying to manage. Like, well, I don't want my life to go by like on a treadmill. I want to make sure I'm fortunate because I love what I do. Yeah. So it's like, oftentimes I I'm so excited. To, okay. I can play Chet Baker, but it has to fit in between this job and the other job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I, I, that's well, too much. It becomes scheduling. It becomes yeah, scheduling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like parenting becomes like sketching. <laughs> you forget to like actually love it. That was Ethan Hawke. He and Carmen star in Born to be Blue. It's in theaters right now. The life story of Chet Baker. Actually, not quite the whole life story. It's like a, a vignette 
pulled from the life of Chet Baker, but it's fascinating stuff. They're both terrific in it, so go see it. Go see it right now, because you know what? Jazz night is over at the House of Krauss. You have to get out of here, go to the movies, enjoy it, have fun, but be sure to come back here next week. Next Monday, we'll put up a new episode, and you never know who's going to stop by for a visit, so please come see us again, because who knows? It might be one of your favorites.